Well, welcome back, everyone. That was a superb kind of country church morning tea. So um, thank you to everyone who must have brought things to share. That was just a beautiful, a beautiful time. Um, feels like we're back again quite quickly, one of these um, events where we're just flat out contemplating. So um, I hope you feel like you've had a little time to, to catch your breath. Um, so in the second part of this session, uh, I'm wanting to offer some space for you to begin to share with one another what's emerging as we um, open up and explore this notion of contemplative Christianity and our contemporary challenges. Before we turn to that conversation, though, I just want to touch briefly on a further dimension of this theme that I, I think is vital for us in an Australian context. And that is the contemplative wisdom of Indigenous Australians and the significance of what the Catholic priest and scholar Eugene Stockton called Aboriginal mysticism. I'm also conscious that um, here among us are people who know a lot more about this than I do. So um, take these as, as kind of opening, um, kind of um, reminding remarks. Um, and there are others, I'm sure, who can, can help us develop this conversation. So I said at the end of, of the last talk that a necessary aspect of the contemplative transformation of human consciousness in our day involves reconnecting with the rest of creation, experiencing ourselves anew as belonging to the web of life. At one level, this is just a natural outworking of contemplative practice. As we're liberated from self-absorption and self-concern, we become more fully aware of the greater life around us. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's discovered myself suddenly being more present to the life, to the presence of a tree, um, or the kind of suddenly noticing an insect or a bird, the touch of wind and water, the immensity of sky. Contemplative practice helps us be more fully present and alive to the wonder of what is. It increases our sense of belonging to a larger whole and I think our reverence for its mysterious otherness. It seems to me that here in Australia, we're being invited by some significant Aboriginal teachers to discover yet deeper dimensions of this transformation of consciousness. Many of you will know of the work of Miriam Rose Ungenmer and her teaching on Dadiri. Miriam Rose first spoke publicly about Dadiri in 1988 when she gave a paper at a Catholic liturgy conference in Hobart. And since then, her address has been widely used in Catholic schools and churches more broadly. Some, some of you who are here with me were at a gathering, I think it was last year in Sydney, with, where Miriam Rose and Father Lawrence met for the first time and had a public conversation about Dadiri and Christian meditation, exploring connections and resonances between these contemplative practices. 
Some among us spent time with Miriam Rose recently in Alice Springs, and some have spent the past week in her community at Daly River in the Northern Territory. And we'll be hearing a little more about that, I hope, from, from Paul and Donna after lunch. The more I hear Miriam Rose speak about it, the larger the notion of Didiri becomes. The word itself is connected to the language of her Daly River people. The name of her tribe, Nangi Kurunku, means deep water sounds or sounds of the deep. And Didiri, she says, is about tapping into the deep spring that is inside us. It's both a practice of listening and attention and a state of awareness. In that sense, it's a bit like our understanding that meditation is both a practice and it leads to the state of contemplation, which is a state of simple awareness. The Diri encompasses the practice and the state. It's something like a spirit within. We call on it and it calls to us. The experience of Didiri is healing and connecting. So for example, Miriam Rose says, when I experience Didiri, I am made whole again. I can sit on the riverbank or walk through the trees. Even if someone close to me has passed away, I can find my peace in this silent awareness. And again, she says, Didiri spreads over our whole life. It renews us and brings us peace. It makes us feel whole again. Miriam Rose herself, in this famous piece that's um, published on her website and was the, the address that she gave to this liturgy conference, she says that Didiri is something like what you, what you call contemplation. Though Eugene Stockton has suggested it has a distinctive emphasis and he's said that Miriam Rose's contribution to the age-old tradition of contemplative prayer is to turn outwards, reaching out to God in the environment. He contrasts her teaching with the common forms of contemplative practice in the Western Christian tradition, which tend to encourage the turn inwards to find God in the depths of, of one's heart. So we sort of close our eyes and, and kind of listen inwardly Didiri is about listening outwardly. I want to draw out two elements of this, this wisdom, this practice of meditation, <clears throat> contemplation, that I think are particularly significant. One is, one is to do with this practice of deep listening to the natural world. This listening is not only to the sounds of the natural world, wind, water, birds, animals, but to its very being. So Aboriginal people speak of listening to the land, attending to rocks, mountains, trees, as we might attend to the presence of another person. And this means taking the time to become still, silent, present, aware, beginning to realise that every created thing offers itself to be heard, to be known, and that to live rightly is to be properly responsive to 
and respectful of its independent reality. As we begin to attend in this way to the world around us, listening deeply, what follows automatically is a much deeper sense of the whole and of the interconnectedness of all life. And we see this often in the works of Aboriginal artists. I read a striking account of an interview with the renowned artist Emily Kame Nawari, which reported that whenever she was asked to explain her paintings, and regardless of whether the images were of a, a shimmering veil of dots, or they were raw stripes seared across the surface or elegant black lines, her answer was always the same. Whole lot. That's whole lot. My dreaming. And she would go on to name the various elements of her dreaming, her country, pencil yam, lizard, grass seed, emu, green bean and yam seed, saying, that's what I paint, whole lot. It's a vision of the whole in which everything is connected to everything else. Nothing can ultimately be separated out from the web of life. And so to see one thing truly is to see all that it's related to. Now, it's not that these experiences and ways of relating to the rest of creation are entirely absent from or alien to our culture. In the imagination of the Judeo-Christian tradition, all that exists has received its own summons to be from the creator, which means, at the very least, we do well to remember that the earth does not exist solely for our benefit an endless pot of resources made available for our convenience. And for some of the mystics of our tradition, the more we attend to this radically particular, mysterious, independent life of things, the more it's possible to hear something even deeper. And that is the silent voice of the source of all that lives. 14th century Dominican Meister Eckhart exclaimed, apprehend God in all things, for God is in all things. Every single creature is a book about God. Every creature is a word of God. If I spend enough time with the tiniest creature, even a caterpillar, I would never have to prepare a sermon. So full of God is every creature. I've joked before, but you know, Imagine turning up to church occasionally. It's like, ha, here you go. <laughs> this is the sermon. <laughs> and it's, a, it's in the light of this kind of deep attention, this deep listening, that a poet like William Blake can write, a bit like Emily Nwari, of seeing the world whole. In these famous lines of Blake's, he speaks of a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. So it's not that this experience of the, of the whole, the interconnection, the rich otherness of, of creation aren't present in our, in our culture too. Nevertheless, 
although such awareness is present and perhaps for some of us here it's it's very present i know you know as individuals you may have your own deep sense of that but as we know it doesn't infuse our whole culture and i think a danger even for those who glimpse this heightened contemplative awareness is that it remains essentially on our terms an augmenting of our private spiritual experience. We don't allow it radically to transform our being in relation to the whole material world. But it's the felt knowledge of what it means to live as part of and radically dependent on the whole that I think we need to learn again. And this is what Aboriginal teachers are saying to us. As you know, Aboriginal people traditionally come from a particular land or country. Rather than conceiving of their country as belonging to them, however, Aboriginal people speak of themselves as belonging to country. More than that, they understand their country, their land, to be constitutive of their human being. There's an Aranda woman, M.K. Turner, who's written a, an important book. And she, she said, the roots of the country and its people are twined together. We are part of the land. The land is us and we are the land. And at a conference I was at, she, she spoke of experiencing the veins in her country as running through her as the veins in her arm. The theologian Ilya Delio has written, we emerge from an evolutionary process and are biologically linked to the natural world. The same currents that run through our human blood also run through the swirling galaxies and the myriad of life forms that pervade this planet. Most of us can accept this theoretically, conceptually. but we don't know it deeply for ourselves. We don't experience it. And even the mystics of the Western tradition who speak of communion with God and of feeling themselves at one with other people don't tend to speak of this level of communion or what the Buddhists call interbeing with the whole created order. Perhaps St Francis with his brother-son, Sister Moon, is the exception. And yet what we glimpse in this, what Eugene Stockton called this Aboriginal mysticism, is the possibility of human life lived in felt kinship with the earth, with the cosmos itself. So let me draw some of this together. We've been exploring the notion of contemplative Christianity. And this morning I spoke of Christian faith as involving the conviction that we have a distinctive human destiny to live into and share. That is, the call to be human as Jesus is human, radically receptive to the life of God, and so bearers of and catalysts of God's compassion and love for the world. 
And I spoke of how contemplative prayer, meditation, continually returns us to the stance of receptivity and radical availability, emptying us again and again of what is not God and of what blocks God in us. I went on to suggest some implications of this for for the contemplative practice of Christian faith. I mentioned the essentially ecumenical, non-tribal character of contemplative Christianity. And I suggested that in relation to the world, a contemplative Christianity will not be primarily concerned with securing its own success or expansion, but will act as a catalyst for the deepening transformation of human sociality. I mentioned some of the ways I thought this was vitally important in the context of our contemporary challenges and the ecological crisis. And just now, I've been speaking of what we in Australia have to learn from Aboriginal teachers concerning contemplative awareness of the natural world. I've suggested that this too has deep implications for our capacity to be human in a human way. That is, to know our interconnectedness with the rest of creation. And so to be capable of reconceiving and sustaining the kind of properly respectful relationship with the rest of life on which our lives ultimately depend. Many in our Christian meditation community are being drawn to learn from this wisdom. And perhaps this awareness is part of what we in this Australian community are being called to bring to the worldwide community as well. So what I'd like to do now is to open some space to invite you to spend a little time reflecting on all of this and then to share with a few of those around you what's landing, what's emerging, what's striking you, what are you wondering about and then to come back and just to share some of that with the whole group. After lunch, we'll have a panel and a time for a question, questions and answer session. So when we come back from this time of reflection, what I'll be inviting is not so much questions that I will answer, but more just, just to name. Okay, what, what's there for you? What are you, what are you noticing? What, what's landing? What are you wondering about? Um, and we'll just kind of share that so that we all get a sense of of where we're at and what is, what is kind of stirring as we as we reflect on these ideas. So it's by my watch it's um, getting on for five to to twelve, and we do back we do to break finish this session at twenty past twelve. So what I'd, I'm going to give you is five minutes to be just on your own. Uh, with some space just to write, reflect, you know, pro- do your own processing. Then I'll invite you to, to join in little groups of four to five to have that kind of conversation, which will go for about... Um, actually, I'll only give you two minutes by yourself. You'll have to process quickly. <laughs> then, 
then 15 minutes in conversation and at 10 past 12, uh, we'll come back just for 10 minutes of kind of reflecting back in the whole group. So I will make a noise in two minutes' time <laughs> when hopefully a euphonious noise, uh, a joyful noise unto the Lord, and then you can join together uh, for that 15-minute conversation. So two minutes now, just let's maintain some silence and just give yourselves a little space. So now I just, again, invite you to to join with those around you and for 15 minutes conversation, how's this landing? What, What are you present to? What would you like to explore a bit more?